You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Lee Gill. Lee Gill is an actor uh, from the UK. He's an incredible dude. We had a fantastic chat. You may know him from the movie The Joker or Game of Thrones. Uh, the dude is is in tons and tons and tons of stuff. He's been acting a long time, and uh, yeah, just a super fascinating guy. Uh, with an awesome story. He's big into punk and hardcore. Um, he was brought to me by my friend Steve, who hooked up the Paige Hamilton from Helmet episode. They are best friends, and that's the guy you'll hear him talking about, uh, his mate Steve. Uh, so thanks to Steve for hooking this one up as well. Uh, I had a fantastic time chatting with Lee, and uh, we delve into some really cool uh, really cool stuff. Uh, we do dig in some to the Joker, because there's some really cool scenes in there that I was really curious on how they made them happen. Um, the scene in the apartment with the white face paint. Um, there's some really, really fascinating stuff in here. We talk music. Um, it, just a fun, fun chat. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions or comments or anything like that. Uh, join the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group. Um, it's free, of course, to join. Uh, you just have to submit to do it, uh, and we'll let you in. It's a private group. Um, also, I want you guys to sign up for the premium service. That is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. That gets you access to the videos of the episodes, all the ad-free feed, and the past cast that we do as well. 
Um, so guys, I'm going to jump into this one. I'm really stoked to get into this. Um, thank you for listening last week. I know last week's episode was really heavy. Um, we get that way every once in a while, uh, but I think it's important to do those episodes and, and really hash through some things. So thanks for sticking around. I really appreciate it, guys. Here's my conversation with Lee Gill from The Joker. Fantastic, dude. I'm glad uh I'm glad to have you. Hey, Matt, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I was nice. checking out some uh, podcasts last night as well, actually. Oh it was, uh, yeah. Very cool. I uh I was listening to the one you did with Fat Mike. That one was legendary. Yeah. Man, that's a good one to that's a good one to start with. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I grew up listening to, like, yeah. Well, I think the first band that got me onto the Fat Record stuff was Lagwagon, actually. It okay. was, like, um, one of my uh, friends at school, we used to, like, I was learning guitar, he was learning drums, and uh, we used to dig through his older brother's CD collection and uh, discover bands. So, yeah, through Lagwagon, we got into, like, no effects and everything. It was pretty, pretty cool. Dude, that's excellent. That's excellent. I was the same way. Uh, Lagwagon was one of the first. It was we used to get those um, the compilations. So the yeah. uh, like the the survival of the fattest and all those yeah. like free comps. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, we just go through those. We lived in Alaska, so we were like trying to find like record stores didn't sell that stuff. So like we had to order it mail order. And uh, all right. So we'd each order a couple. Then we would trade them back and forth because we couldn't afford to order all of them. So, hey man, and I remember like yeah, those those CDs used to discover so many bands from. And then uh, I remember like reading through the booklets in every album, like to like for the thanks list to discover new bands. Like, <laughs> old school. <laughs> yeah, man. T-shirts, whatever T-shirts they were wearing, or any of that shit, man. It was it, yeah, was, yeah. it was the way of the world, dude. Uh, yeah. That's funny. You listened to the podcast last night because I watched Joker last night again because I hadn't seen it since the theater. 
<clears throat> ah, cool. And I was like, I have to watch this again before I talk to Lee because uh, I remembered it very well from the theater, but I wanted to experience it again uh, one more time because uh, it was so, it's one of those things, like, I'm sure you heard it from a lot of people where you walk out of there like, what did I just see? Like, I'm angry, yeah. I'm sad, but I'm satisfied. It was this weird <laughs> experience. Like, it was like this, like, it, there was so many emotions that came from it. It was real. I think that's why it was so great because it made yeah. you feel things. But uh, you had a very different, you had a very different side to it because you were in it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I still, uh, I still kind of had that same experience when I first got to see it in the cinema as well, you know. Because uh, although you know, I'd, I'd read that, I'd read the whole script, um, but there was a lot of changes made during filming as well. So, and you can't really uh, visualize the entire thing exactly how it is when you're just filming a few scenes. You know what I mean? So it was, it was still just as exciting for me to actually watch it for the first time as well Dude. So. well we have to we'll, we'll talk about that eventually here but I, I i'm interested in so steve i think is your your yeah. your very good buddy uh yeah hit me up randomly with an email like hey here's some i'm a fan of the show here's some people that i know that i think you might want to talk to and here's a big long list and uh yeah so i hit him back and i was like hey let's talk to these people I think at the time you were filming in Rome or, or oh, right. yeah. the the Christmas movie. Cause I think he was yeah. like, Yeah, he's filming, like he's learning Italian, like he's really busy right now, but maybe after this. And then it would just kept like not getting pushed aside, but like other things kept happening in the meantime. And it's always on my yeah. list. And every time I look at that list, I'm like, crap, I gotta reach out to Steve. And uh so I'm glad uh, we're doing so this now because uh uh I've been stoked about it for a while. But um you and him uh have been friends for a long time then huh yeah he uh he used to be my flatmate for a couple of years as well but like okay. we we made uh through uh about well, years ago we used to both play in bands and uh very different types of bands but we would somehow end up on the same bills and we all sort of became part of the same friendship group and that um but then um he moved away uh he, he moved to thailand for a bit and then to la he, he went and studied acting in, in la and uh yeah when he came back i I was looking for a flatmate and uh, it was so sort of perfect. He moved in and we had like two years of absolute debauchery in raising hell. Like he, uh, he moved out with his uh, fiance and I think um, it's probably the best for the both of us to be honest. <laughs> Cause I think we're, we're both like, yes, man. And as bad as each other, do you know what I mean? If someone suggests a, a, a you know, having a wild party again, people like we're both, gonna say yes i mean yeah. we, we we live we lived surrounded by pizza boxes none of us ever cooked it it's just like it wasn't like a, a lifestyle we could have kept up for too much longer so yeah dude <laughs> but I... um <laughs> but yeah he's he, he's super cool like steve's one of those guys it, it doesn't surprise me that he had like a, a huge list of people to give you because he literally he, he's, he's just that guy who'll make friends everywhere he goes you know yeah He's he's actually responsible for episode two hundred of with Paige from Helmet. Because yeah, he's like, yeah. Who do you want to have on? And I was like, Well, here's my list. And he's like, Let me just randomly reach out to these people. And Paige his management got back to him, like, Yeah, let's do it. I was like, I've reached out to them four times. And Steve reaches out to him <laughs> randomly and it just works. It was crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty nervous, Steve. Somehow, yeah, only he only he would pull that stuff off. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's um 
it's cool. Like he he was actually a huge part in like helping me get the Joker part as well. Really? Uh, yeah, because he was um, living with me at the time, and um, this audition came through, and I had like two days to be like to be able to like film it and send it off. But we we were going to a festival. Um, on one of the days so we were like okay we can only do it the day after the festival so uh, we were obviously like ridiculously hung over the, the day after the festival and it was just like shit we've got one day to do this and like he, he had plans with his girlfriend uh, now fiance um, that night and they were awesome like you know they let me just come over because we did it at like their place like well, it was at Steve's parents' house. Mm-hmm. Steve was living with me, but he still had a place at his parents' house. Um, so we went there, completely intruded on their evening plans. And uh, Steve's like so great. He's, he's really, he knows his stuff when it comes to acting and everything. So he's he's the one person I'll trust if I, if I need to do an audition. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a huge difference having a, a, a good actor reading the other lines instead of getting... Uh, like your mom or somebody who feels awkward about reading, just uh, awkwardly reading off the page, you know? So um, yeah, Steve massively helped me with that audition. We we got, I think, yeah, got together a really good video that we were like confident would uh, get the job. But at that point we didn't even know that it was the Joker though, you know, cause they, they change, they change the titles and oh. names and everything. Yeah. So, all we knew was it was a Warner Brothers project mm. and uh, and the scenes that we got sent were fucking awesome. So we were like, okay, this this seems like it's something uh, pretty special. So let's put a lot of effort into it. And uh, yeah, fucking got it. <laughs> crazy, dude. How, yeah, so yeah. when the scenes they sent to you, were they scenes that are in the movie now, like that made it into the film? Yeah, yeah. So, But it's they sometimes add... Um, a bit more in there, like so. For example, um, one of the locker room scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like my f- my first scene in the movie. Um, they, uh, I had like half of the lines that Randall says to Arthur. Mm-hmm. They were sort of scripted to be a part of my audition too. So in my audition, it was me that gave Arthur the gun, which is interesting. Yeah. Obviously, that's a big. Uh, plot line which gets him sacked and everything but um mm-hmm. yeah so I, I was a bit confused reading that it was just like because they, they'd given me the script the description of the character as this like nice guy the only nice guy in that world and um but then it was like reading a scene where i'm giving him a gun it just didn't seem quite right but it made more sense when i got the real script with all the names correct and everything like that it was just they they try to um give you more lines it you know just so they can get a more of a feel for how how you are as an actor, but Man. Um, yeah, I, I was in um, I was in Germany um, shooting on uh, a film called Head Full of Honey, mm-hmm. um, and I was in my trailer and I got a phone call from my agent saying like everyone else that she'd put forward for Joker. Uh, oh no! She, for that film, we still didn't know Joker. Every everyone else that she'd put forward had been uh, told they haven't got it, but they said um, like to keep keep my dates free, and they're really interested in me. Like that usually means that like the casting director has chose you, but then they have to go through all the you know they have to get it approved by everyone. So quite often that can take like a, a couple of weeks or more, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, as an actor, that's 
possibly like like one of the most frustrating periods you know when you feel like you've, you've almost got something but uh you, you haven't been told like for sure yet you know every time your phone rings you nearly have a heart attack but uh, so um but they they let slip a bit more information when they when they called her that uh, it was Todd Phillips directing it so as soon as I got off the phone with my agent I looked up like what's Todd Phillips doing and I saw it was Joker and then it all sort of like made sense I was like holy shit it's a Joker <laughs> like and Steve Steve was the guy like I rang him straight away because obviously he helped me with the audition I was like dude um, it seems like I'm like in the running to get this thing and it's the fucking Joker and he was like my god and I was like I'm thinking of booking a one-way flight to New York because obviously I auditioned just on uh, self-tape mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the guys in the States will have had an opportunity to audition in person you know mm-hmm. and I think there, there's advantages to both you know doing a self-tape you can do a lot of shitty takes and then just uh, only send the good ones you know yeah but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, doing a, an audition in person like there's always that advantage of you know you know it, you can sort of if especially if it's like the actual director there during the audition, mm-hmm. they can get a sense of like whether or not you're someone they want to work with, and you get to make a personal impression, you know. Sure. So uh, I wanted to take away any potential advantage. Like if, I was like, if someone else is like in the running too, but they've got to audition in person, I was like, I want to, I want to have that opportunity too. So I just uh, booked a one-way ticket to New York and. Uh, Cause that's where they were doing the casting. And uh, yeah, Steve was the one like rooting me, rooting me on to just do that as well. Um, and then sort of got my agent to lie for me. I said to her to uh, like ring the casting people and uh, just say that I happen to be in New York visiting friends. Um, and whilst I'm there, why don't they see me? So uh, yeah, she did. And the, <laughs> the lie, the lie worked, man. That she like, they totally believed it. Um, but then um Todd Phillips himself, he like he found out that I was gonna be in New York and he insisted that he personally got to meet me instead of it just being someone in casting. So man. Yeah. You nailed it, man. That's perfect. Yes. Like that that's such an awesome story. I love that. Uh did you ever tell Todd that that yeah, about the lie? I, yeah, I told him um after the LA premiere, I told him he found it. He thought it was really funny. He was like, "Lee, you idiot! You already had the role." <laughs> like, Fuck, man! I was like, "I couldn't, I couldn't afford that at the time. I had to borrow rent money off my dad to be able to do that." Because <laughs> like, because like, Todd insisted on seeing me himself, which meant I had to wait for like ten days in New York. So the whole time I'm there, I'm like, "Fuck me! I'm spending money I haven't got." But um. Yeah, when I told him, he thought he thought it was really funny, and he was like, "Lee, you're an idiot. You already had the role, man." But he was like, "I'm glad you came out because it was like nice meeting you, and it made me more excited to work with you." But I was like, "Fuck, man!" But you know, who knows? You yeah. know, I'm, I'm still glad I did it. That's excellent, man. That's excellent. That's such an awesome story to get there. Like, literally, a book a one way ticket to New York, not knowing what's going, like having a hunch. I yeah, mean, yeah, and then landing it. Even though you yeah. already landed it. <laughs> like, <I know. laughs> oh my God. I love this, dude. I uh I talked to a buddy of mine last night on Instagram. He's an actor as well. His name's London Boyd. And uh he's done a few a few movies. He's doing some stuff, I think, behind the scenes too. He's 
He's one of our buddies from Alaska that was always into movies. If you ever had a question or something cool you needed from a movie, he was your guy. And that's all he wanted to do was be an actor. Um, so whenever I have someone on from your from your realm, like I hit him up, like, hey, anything you want to know or anything you want to talk about. Um, uh, cool. And he immediately wrote back, like, this dude is a great actor. Like, he's like, I watch oh. everything. He's like, I know a great actor when I see one. And he nails <laughs> it. And I was like. Well, sweet. And then so he was That's he was cool. asking about, and I'm sure you've talked about this a lot. I've not heard you talk about it, but um what it's like working with method actors. He said that should be yeah. that should be a good story because uh yeah. you did that with with yeah. Joker. Um yeah, that was an entirely uh new thing for me. It was um it was cool, man. Like it's one of those things I always try and like I think Acting is one of those things where there isn't one way to do it, you know, mm -hmm. and like everyone has their own techniques and things they do. And I think you can always learn something from anyone you work with, even if it's like a, an extra sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, it's just cool. I always try and pick things up off of everyone, but with working, I was just like, I wish I knew what that motherfucker was doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he just like, he was just on a whole other level that I hadn't seen before, but, um, and it's, uh, it was it was um, strange at first, like but like I I'm I like I instantly just realized that like this was something different, you know, because like usually if if I'm gonna be working with someone, you know, before you start like rehearsals or like shooting a scene, like I always make the effort, and I think it's normal. Everyone, you know, gets to know each other a little bit beforehand. Um, so like my first day of shooting, I was walking to set with uh, Glenn Fleshler, who played Randall, mm -hmm. like incredible actor. And like he usually plays like these big scary guys, but um, he's like the most like quiet, like softly spoken, like gentleman in real life, you know. Um, so me and him were walking to set together, um, just chatting and stuff, and he was lovely. Um, and we were waiting in a lift to go up to the set, and uh, it came on the radio that like to hold the lift because Joaquin was coming too. So, um, yeah, I, I knew that Glenn had been filming one day before me with Joaquin mm -hmm. um, and uh, saw Joaquin approaching the elevator. Look at me talking like an American elevator. We call it lift here. <laughs> like, <laughs> somehow, like when I'm talking to my American friends, I come out with words like that, which I would never use. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so, like, Joaquin is approaching the lift, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, I, I just, yeah, instantly blown away by how he looked, you know, because I was a big fan of Joaquin, but, uh, you know, the, the physical change he, he went through to play that role was just something else. Um, but then when Glenn or, like, any of the, the crew that were in their lift to, like, none of them like spoke to him as he was coming. Like no one was just like, Oh, Hey, how's your day? Like, good morning. Like just nothing. It was like so weird for me, like an unnatural not to like introduce myself and like greet someone. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was just fascinating. Just that slow lift right up. I was just like looking over just like, Holy shit, this guy is doing something else. You know, like he yeah. just was this other person. And, uh, it was cool like just everyone just sort of gave him his 
sort of space to be in his own little world and do his thing. Um, but then like throughout filming, there would be a few times like where he would go out of his way to sort of like find me and talk to me and stuff. But <laughs> we, which sometimes freaked me the fuck out, man. Like there was one day, like one day I was like um, just being a bit nosy, snooping around set. Like we, we were having like a, a, lo- a bit of a longer break than expected. So I was, I was getting bored of just sitting there eating snacks. Uh, so I was like, <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna go and see what some of the other rooms are like in this like apartment set, um, just so I could like when I watch the film later on, I'd be like, oh yeah, I went in there, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. I'm still a fan of movies at the end of the day, you know. So like, I was just like looking around um, Arthur's mom's room in the apartment set, and uh, he must have got into that room with so much stealth right i was like looking one way and i turned around and uh joaquin was sat on the bed you know he was just like topless just a white face he just got in there so slightly i turned around and i just saw this white face and i fucking shit myself man (laughs) but then then, like that was like awkwardness just started talking to him asking him all sorts of questions i was just like fucking hell i hope someone comes in here and stops me talking <laughs> <laughs> luckily they did <laughs> like, but um yeah because i was like telling him I'd, I'd recently watched um a film that he had come out on amazon i think um he won't get very far on foot or something like that uh-huh. i was telling him i just recently watched that and he was just like um oh i hate watching all my mme i hate watching all like any of my movies and he was like no I, that, that film's horrible i don't want to watch it he was just i don't know he was really nagging it yeah and like i felt like a dick i was like shit i've just like pissed him off but um and then uh, the makeup like lady like just came in she was just like oh is he being a grump like basically i had a like, fun joke with him but it was just interesting he just kept going out of his way to come and like find me and like talk to me and stuff but I think I was just so worried sometimes that like I kind of I'm like I will carry on talking. I didn't want to throw him off of his uh, whatever he was doing. But oh my <laughs> I God. think it, yeah, it was just so unnatural for me, you know. Yeah. Well, to but, all of a sudden um, be talking to someone so you haven't really met him yet. Like you've yeah. met you've met Arthur. You have not met yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. So like when you turn around and he's in the most scary looking scene or basically look of the entire film, all of a sudden just, Holy shit. Hello, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't refer to you as Gary. Did he? He was doing that. No, no, he didn't. Okay. Uh, But no, it was, it was really cool that, um, then the first time I actually got to meet Joaquin, you know, out of character, Mm -hmm. like out of working with him was, um, at the London premiere. Um, so I took my parents to that one, and which was really cool. Like, and we were in the uh VIP room, like the the before the film started, there was just like a green room area, and like with drinks and that. And uh, my parents were taking full advantage of all the free drinks, and uh, <laughs> and then Todd came in, and uh, so it was like chatting with Todd and introduced Todd to my mom and dad, and then Joaquin came in shortly after. And it was awesome. Like he just obviously he looked healthy. You know, I was like, yes, he's back. Um, but it was just like such a difference. I guess it was like 10 months after, but like uh, it's just like looking at an entirely different person. Yeah. And uh 
But like he immediately like he was just like Lee, dude, and like he got straight on his knees, like gave me like big cuddle, like a kiss on the cheek. He was like, "How are you, buddy?" Like, and it was just literally like meeting someone like entirely different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, but um, and then I asked him like if I could introduce him to my parents, and he was just like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, absolutely. And uh, he, him and Todd were literally just stood with my parents, chatting to them. Um, for like I don't know about 20 minutes before the film started like and the smile on my mum's face was just the best and like at one point like you know my mum was asking for a picture with like with Wacking and Todd and uh, and as they're like they were saying goodbye we were going to go and take our seats like Wacking kissed my mum on the cheek and she like, my mum's from Liverpool she's like in her excited scouse accent like he kissed me on the cheek <laughs> like did you see that and like my dad was like, all right, calm down. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, he was like such a like awesome guy, and uh, yeah, it was just really cool to meet meet the real him, I guess. Yeah, but, that's amazing, dude. Can you real real quick before we get? Because I, I want to talk about a lot of other things with you too. Uh, but we got around yeah. the Joker right away, but um, or straight away, as you say, um. <laughs> Uh, we got on right. That's what I'm trying. I'm I'm talking more and more to people for, from uh, the UK, and I'm picking up all these phrases. That, like you said, lift. We say elevator. You know, hey. chips or crisps. Uh, all sorts yeah. of things different. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I want to talk about the scene. So the scene that you're talking. Well, where he's got this face painted white, and and uh, you and Randall come in to the apartment, and he's all weird and crazy. Uh, that scene is terrifying. But when you're filming a scene like that, like how long did that scene take to film is my one, yeah. like my one thought. And then when he's bashing Randall's head in, the sound you made when he, and I don't know yeah. if, if it was, I know they do stuff afterwards with sound, like you go in and record yeah, stuff. Yeah. The sound you made when he hits him in the eye was so yeah. brutal and like genuine like terror yeah <laughs> it gets you like it gets you in the heart like you're just like oh it's not even the gore it's the sound that you made like it was you were genuinely terrified and then he's bashing his head into the wall when that stuff's happening are you standing right there in the room or is yeah, the camera yeah. just on him and no one else is there no, I was there the whole time. Yeah, uh, so we, that we that scene we shot over two days. So basically, you know, because it's in a it's in a small room with lots of uh, furniture and everything. So to get all of the angles they need, obviously, every time it involves moving furniture in and out and you know resetting. So although it all looks, you know, linear, like it's all like. Yeah, there's a lot of setups to get that goes into shooting in a room like that. Mm -hmm. um, and like all the different angles we had to have. Um, so like the first day was sort of the majority of uh, getting all the dialogue locked in. And um, the second day was more about uh, getting all of the the stunt shots in a way. So like, um, so on the second day, um, Glenn, who played Randall, he had like the special effects makeup where um, you know, the stabbed eye and the, this, the slashed neck and stuff like that. Um, that was really cool, actually. The um, the eye, um, it had like a little magnetic uh, thing in the middle and there was like a pair of half scissors that he could just like, like stick to the eye thing or like take them off. It was like really cool. 
Um, and then uh, they had like a stunt guy there for the head bashing thing. Um, and the wall, actually, the bit of wall where that was happening, you would never tell. Like it looked the same as everything else, you know, but uh, a section of that wall was kind of like rubber um, for the head bashing. So, so he was literally bashing someone's head into a wall. Yeah. So, Holy but this fuck. is it. Like I, I was told like the, the wall was rubber. Cause you know, I'm there watching this thing. I'm like, how is this? You know, so I was like, is he okay? But uh, so like, yeah, I was told, Oh no, that part of the wall is rubber. So I was like, okay. And then, like when you feel it, it's not exactly like soft. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's rubber. And it's got a little bit of like squish to it, but I wouldn't want my head hit against that once. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and uh, for a, like a large part of the day, like, like, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, I imagine it, it, there must be some element of like taking the brunt of it with your shoulder or something. But um, just the thought of it, like when you feel like the wall, like in my mind, one one of those would have given me a headache for the whole day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty fascinating. Dude, that's um, why it's so real looking then, because he's literally yeah. bashing someone's head into the wall. Yeah. How fucking crazy is that in your own mind? Like, that's what you're doing yeah, yeah. today is brutally fucking someone up. Yeah. Because all the movements matched because there was weight behind it and everything. I was, yeah, I was yeah. so curious on that. But then the genuine terror you had, like, and then yeah. you have to walk around Randall's body yeah, yeah. and like he's just fucking staring at you. And yeah, then he dude, fucking right. scares the shit out of you. But yeah, that bit. I thought you were dead there. I thought he was going to get you. That was, yeah, like that. So a lot of things like that weren't scripted. And it was really fun for me. um, Because like I said, we we did like two days on that one scene. So, and every time you do a scene with Joaquin, he is just making little changes and improvising. You have to just go with whatever he's doing, you know. And it it kept it so fun and exciting because you never felt, bored like you're just doing one scene for the like the whole time because it was literally different every time mm-hmm. so i i don't know how the hell like todd was able to choose like when when it came to edit editing that film like there must be so like you could probably put together an entirely different film with like just different versions of what Joaquin did and it would be just as good you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he he was just creating magic the whole time and like but i love um so some of some of my favorite moments that he improvised actually made it in the final thing, which I absolutely fucking love. So like the bit where he uh, takes the piss out of my British accent, like that obviously wasn't a part of the film. Like he just decided to do it. And like we all found it really funny when he did it, but I'm so glad that that made it into the, uh, into the film. And yeah, that bit where I'm trying to step over Randall's leg and he jumps at me like, genuinely scared the shit out of me i didn't know he was gonna be doing that yeah and like, i found it like great that that made it in there um but then even um you know in the script he's meant to just you know i say can you help me with the lock or whatever whatever the line originally was um he's meant to just like say oh sorry like and come over and open it and then i leave that was it um but i remember the first time he just out of nowhere like he opened up the door for like an inch and then closed it again and was just stood there looking at me i was like 
what the fuck is he gonna do now? <laughs> Dude, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my god, is he deciding like it might be fun to now attack me? And uh, sort of like awkwardly looking around, hoping there's someone close enough if he's like, if it goes too far. Because yeah. I've seen him like destroy props and stuff. I was just like, oh my God. Um, but he just stood there and looked at me. And I think, you know, the line that, like he started to do that a few times, but the line that they ended up using, like you were the only one that was ever nice to me. Like, I think that was just like a really beautiful way of ending the scene, you know? Yeah. But, that was ad-libbed? Like, yeah, yeah. Christ, man. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> You're so good, dude. The way the 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 feelings that I got from those scenes were from what you were yeah. doing. Like Joaquin is doing the actions and like do but the way you react to him that that right there is is huge. Like the way you react to some you're terrified to be around cuz you don't know what's going to happen. Uh yeah. you know, and you have to go with it. You don't is this is this you know and it's not in the script because you know the script so you know when yeah. he's going off but then like you said looking around if someone's close enough like yeah. just to stay in character and let what yeah. that what's happening there flow through it is a huge skill dude i don't know how you would do that like That's instead of like break character real quick like like oh or, or make a reaction that they have to cut you know yeah, because yeah. you shouldn't be doing that like yeah <clears throat> that kind of stuff i don't think people notice enough the 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 subtleties of that um yeah. is what makes what you do great you know um that's what i take away from it because and, and then oh, you fall cool. in love with gary you're like geez what a sweetheart you know but then you feel for gary in these scenes like having to yeah, go yeah. through this i even felt for gary having to live in that new york environment like how shitty yeah, yeah. it is and terrible and you just come in, hey, yeah. mate, hey, mate, sorry, sorry, uh, you know, I heard what happened, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And everyone else is trying to backstab him and get their way. Yeah, you start exactly. to really feel for Gary, and that kind of stuff is is what I walk out of a movie feeling good about or feeling about or remembering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. It, you yeah, got that's... so much skill, dude. It's it's crazy. Like I, I don't know how I would ever react in a situation like that. I'm not an actor. But even be if yeah. I was an actor, how I'd react to that? Because there's so much riding on that, yeah. and if, everything has to be firing for that to work. It's really important, and you killed it, dude. So good. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, yeah, I think like it's just it. It kind of I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's what I do, but like I don't know. It does kind of seem. I think once you just got the basic thing of, you know, you don't drop your character until you hear a cut, mm -hmm. you know? So whatever's going on, like you just stay in character until you hear a cut, you know? And once you're just used to doing that, it just sort of does become natural to, to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but it was certainly more of a challenge doing that with uh, working. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say more of a challenge. It was just like... Um, more fun doing it with him because mm. <laughs> you literally never knew what the hell he was going to do and like todd was great at just uh so often like todd would just leave the camera rolling for an awkwardly long amount of time because he knew if he if if todd didn't say cut whacking would just keep acting and doing stuff in character so like the whole the whole scene of uh you know, Wacking just randomly gets inside the fridge. He empties everything out of the fridge and gets inside. That was just because Todd left the camera running on Wacking and just to see what he would do. <laughs> you know what? what? I mean? Yeah. Get in the fridge. <laughs> he, he just 
he just did it. And everyone went like, because Todd knew, like, I think Todd just sort of started to realize that if the camera was still going, Joaquin would carry on. So, uh, yeah, like he ended up with beautiful moments like that where he just took everything out of the fridge and got inside it. Like, man. So, like, the when he just starts like dancing in the bathroom, the public bathroom. Those yeah, kind of yeah. things, those were meant to happen, right? Like those kind of, the kind of, he's kind of flowing with this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think like with, with that scene, I think it was um, a, a matter of, um, he was meant to, in the script, I think, go into the bathroom and try to hide the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I think like it was very like, it was a very creative process between Todd and Joaquin the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, like Todd could sort of break through to him in a, in a whole, on a whole other level. Um, yeah. and, uh, so like, there's a lot of big changes, uh, that, you know, they, ca- they came up with throughout the filming process. And I think that was literally one of the best ones because I think it was, uh, it was like a, a beautiful sort of like transition of him, like finally coming out, you know, yeah. that person, that person inside him finally coming out. But, um, and it was all like, from what I heard that all came from, like, they weren't sure what to do with the scene. They just didn't like it being that they didn't like it just being hiding a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they, they'd just been sent the music that day from Hilda and uh, that inspired them to just do the dance scene. So I think, yeah, that, I think the, the music in that film, the score was just incredible. Yeah, it was. But, um, I remember the, the, the refrigerator scene <laughs> last night, watching it again, like he gets in there Closes the door, then he just cracks yeah. it for a second and closes it again. Was that him like listening for a cut? Because <laughs> he literally just like, all right, I'm in. I, I never, nope. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. That possibly could be it. I noticed it. I noticed he opened it again really quick. Like it's kind of like a vulnerability oh thing. Like okay, like I'm losing my mind. I'm crawling into the fridge. Fuck it. Close the fridge. <laughs> And then one more little close, just a gentle little click. That right there, like made the scene. But I wonder if now oh, that you've dude, told me this, I, I wonder I if that's need, what it was. I need to go. I need to watch that again now. Look out for that. That's hilarious. Oh, dude, it was great. <laughs> it was just one of those. It makes you it, it, it being terrified of the guy through the whole movie. It makes him look like a child for a second, like a little yeah, innocence, yeah. little like, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> th- those little subtleties like that, that I like to try to pick up on in these movies. And, and uh, yeah. there's just so much going on. It's hard to pay attention to all of it. Um, yeah. yeah. But dude, so how did, how did you get into acting in the first place? How old were you? Um, it's what I said. That's always like a hard question to ask, answer really. Um, you know, I always loved it at school, mm-hmm. like doing drama at school. Um, and then I was in like local theater group doing like, plays so like outside of school i was like you know going to this theater group and we put on like a couple of plays a year and um and then like so like for when i left like what you guys would call high school mm-hmm. whatever um i went to uh like a music college and i was playing in like punk rock bands that was my main thing i was like yeah i'm gonna be a fucking rock star um, <laughs> but like um so I was doing like a shitty day job um, just to sort of fund being in a band for years. Um, and like, it was one of those things, it was like, for me, I always, I always loved music and acting like equally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think 
started to do my first sort of like acting jobs kind of through the band stuff. So um, I started to do like being lots of music videos, acting for, because I knew lots of bands, they would like come up with ideas for a little character in their video. So I started to do that. Um, and then um, just, you know, the fact I'm small, um, it's one of those weird things. Like you kind of have an advantage when it comes to getting an agent because there's agencies out there that are just specifically for, you know, unique types of actors, mm-hmm. you know, cause if, if, if there's a need for it, there's, there's always like special agents for that. Um, and the fact that I'd actually done some acting training and stuff put me at an advantage, like when it came to getting on with those agencies and getting the jobs, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, once I started to do a few, TV jobs and that I realized there's a hell of a lot more money in acting than there is in playing in punk rock bands yes, there is. in shitty sweaty bars. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I uh, I sort of slowly made that my main focus. Um, I guess about ten, eleven years ago, maybe a bit more. Okay, what was that shitty day job you were doing when you were? Oh, dude, yeah, I, I had like the least fucking punk rock job ever <laughs> like i was playing in a punk rock band whilst working for the fucking system no i was like <laughs> i was working yeah i was like working for the ministry of defense it sucked man yeah Dude. yeah just like some serious like adult boring day job with a fucking pension and like career prospects but no it was it was, it was bullshit um i worked in a well it was a it was a normal hospital, but they had like a military unit within the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I dealt with all like the, the contracts between the MOD and the NHS. And so it was all just fucking spreadsheets and mm-hmm. rubbish. I sat, basically I sat behind a computer losing my soul for like eight hours a day. <laughs> do, you, do you, so you're, you're a music guy, you know, do you know that band Spirit Box? Yeah, yeah. So good. Uh, yeah, my uh, – so, see that flag there behind me? So, like, that's, uh, like, some of my best friends play in that band, a British band called Polar. Uh-huh. And I think they've done, they've done a few, um, like, tours around Europe and that with Spirit Box. Okay. And they- uh, What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now.
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist, Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. 
Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So, so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Go oh, sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Of, no, go ahead. I know it was just, um, I don't know, about six months ago or something, maybe longer. Um, I was partying with Woody. My friend Woody is the singer of Polar, mm-hmm. and uh, randomly ended up on a on a FaceTime with a couple of the guys from Spirit Box. They're cool as fuck, man. Dude, yes. And I had yeah. uh, Courtney on uh, back when they had like I I was listening to I was going to have Tatiana from Ginger on the show, and I was listening to it in the afternoon. I was at work, and I had Ginger playing on my speaker through Spotify, and all of a sudden this other band comes on like, a, like randomly. Yeah. And I was like, this is fucking cool. Like, who is this? And I looked yeah. at it, spirit box. Who are they? They had like 8,000 listeners or whatever. And I was like, huh, this is really good. So I reached out to Courtney uh, and asked her to come on the show. And she did anyway, she does the same shit. Like they do data entry in Canada. There, really? for, They still do it. No, they way. had like the number one record on, on fucking um, was it revolver or, or some magazine. And they're yeah. still doing like when they're at home, they're doing data entry jobs. Like she's talked about it Man, like very crazy. openly. Like they still do yeah, that because yeah. there's no fucking money in it anymore. I know, uh, man. It's all, all Sp- Spotify's taking all their money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a whole other yeah. can of worms right there. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, watching yeah. that second apology video on Instagram before we hopped on. Oh, but, I just watched the Joe, the Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, I just watched. That. I, like yeah, right before we got on, I was watching. I saw it yeah, come through. Yeah. I was like, I gotta watch this now. Uh, but I, one thing I really, I'm really curious about because, uh, being an actor, being in an industry, which is similar to music where your career kind of relies on people, uh, liking you and accepting you and needing them to do that. Right. Like a, yeah. a normal civilian can go out and do their job. Of course you want to like the people you work with, but they can still make it through the day. When you're an actor and you're, you know, I got to go to this audition with all and compete against all these other people. And it's constantly, I need these people to like me. I need these people like me. I need them to watch the movie. I need them to, you know what I mean? There's this, it kind of, I would assume messes with your head a little bit. Um, But I'm trying to, I'm like, you were talking about your agent specializes in, in actors with specific, like, like, or, or unique traits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how does how do you I'm trying to think how to phrase this adding that into the mix how do you deal with yeah. that like where you like you know like like does it does it bother you does is it difficult to be put in that pool like I have this agent because of this physical trait I have yeah, or yeah. I got this part be only because of not only because yeah. but I was able to do this role because of yeah. this only 
because that doesn't define you and it should yeah i mean yeah it's, it's one of those things like i think like to some degree like typecasting will always be there and kind of necessary in, in some ways you know like you wouldn't want to cast someone like me as the next fucking James Bond. You know, that'd be shit. <laughs> James Bond just punching people in the groin. You know, that'd be fucking rough. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> 007 nutshot. Oh, God. Like, um, but like, you know, it, it's... It is frustrating, like that. That just as someone that loves acting and loves what I do, um, you just always wish and hope that there's more people out there coming up with interesting characters that might, you know, people should start writing characters without going into too much detail on how specifically they have to look, you know, because yeah. when you think when you think about a lot of characters that don't have to be specialized in, you know, martial arts or something like. Uh, James Bond, like, if you think about, for example, all of the characters in Friends, you know, one of the biggest TV shows of all time, like, any one of those group of friends <laughs> could have, like, had any form of disability or anything, and it wouldn't have changed their character whatsoever. You could have had a great dwarf actor playing any of those roles. You could have had... Uh, a person in a wheelchair playing any of those roles because nothing that they do in that show would mean that they couldn't have something like different or unique about them. You know what I mean? Like, I think like if characters are written where there's no specific reason for them to have to be like your typical expected casting, like casting people should at least just open up the uh, doors and give, uh, the audition chances to other other actors because I think it might end up just bringing a, an extra little bit of a, I don't know an interesting element to the character if they did have something different going on you know yeah um, but I mean like I've been very lucky with there's been a few people I've worked with that have thought a bit more outside the box and uh, worked with me and cast me in like different types of roles that you wouldn't expect like. I've played a drug dealer in a film. I played a neo-Nazi. I've played like I got to play characters that you wouldn't necessarily think. And and to begin with, they weren't actually written for someone like me. You know, mm -hmm. they were written written just as a character, and then they cast me in it, which was awesome. Um, but I think there just needs to be a bit more of that, mainly just because. I want to be more busy and because like, yeah. I love what I do, you know, but I think it just, everyone would benefit, benefit from it. If, if casting was a bit more uh, diverse and interesting, you know, because yeah. I think like this, there's, there's great actors out there, uh, all different shapes and sizes. And it just makes it a bit more interesting if they're not just doing boring casting all the time. Mm hmm. That's see, that's what I'm getting at. Like, and it, 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 it you know, there's so much talent out there. It has nothing to do with anything physical, you know. Like, it's, it's yeah, yeah. you know, it's all about. The I skill. now really want to see a James Bond where someone's just like, I, <laughs> I, think, I think this is a great. I think this is a great idea, dude. This is the. This is the the second. Uh, in in a month, this is the second time a movie idea has come out of this show. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, have you seen that movie? The thing that thing you do. 
with Tom Hanks. Uh, it's like they're in that like fifties, uh, like Beatles esque or sixties Beatles esque kind of band. Steve Zahn's in have, it, and um, I don't think I have seen that one. Oh, I love Tom Hanks. Yeah. This isn't going to be as funny then because if you haven't seen oh, it, but it, it's such a good movie and the music's so great. Um, but they basically just like they're working in like an uh, electronic store, like TVs and stuff, and, and radios and, and turntables, and they write this song and it becomes like this hit single. Tom Hanks comes in as their manager, like uh, oh, wow. Steve Zahn's the drummer. Like it's a great cast. Uh, and uh, Casey from the wonder years and I were talking on the show and, and we're talking about doing a remake of that called that thing we did and have them now oh, wow. doing it and going back. It was a whole thing. We were talking about my cousin oh, well, Vinny. Yeah, and, as a bunch of uh, like older guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That thing yeah. we did, and like maybe one of them is discovering another band or something, just to just to do a throwback. It was a joke. But then we cool. started talking about it, we're like that might actually work. Uh, yeah, yeah. So who knows? But uh, it's just funny that <laughs> these all these ideas. Um, the reason also I asked about that I had Danny Trejo on, and um, he was talking oh, about wow. he, he got into acting just because he looked like a criminal, like he looked yeah. like an inmate. And then he yes. was inmate number two for like 80 movies and then finally like, hey, he can act. <laughs> like, let's get him in here. But it's all based That's on awesome. physical appearance, which, yeah, yeah. of course, when you're on screen, you need to have some physical appearance that matches the role. But only to be typecast as that get awfully old, yeah. you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm glad I like your take on it. I, I do. And and uh, yeah, it just needs to be more diversity with that for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes it interesting. I, it's I true to life. So. Yeah, I think like uh, it has got better over the last years. Uh, well, excluding the last couple of years where not much has happened at all. But um, I think since, you know, Game of Thrones and Peter Dinklage having such a, a positive impact, you know, you know, winning winning awards like Golden Globes and Emmys for Best Actor, not in some like stupid category of like, oh, actor with a disability or anything like that yeah. just like no yeah. bullshit on a level playing field with everyone else he won you know and i think that that has sort of had a had a great effect on the industry where the, there are i have noticed that there are starting to be more opportunities and people are writing roles for little people that have you know a bit of substance to them rather than just being shoved in a costume or whatever but yeah. you know what i mean like I, i'm not I'm, I'm not a you know, nothing against being shoved in a costume. I'd love, mm -hmm. I'd still love to do a Star Wars movie and like waddle past in a fucking droid outfit. That Hell <laughs> like, yeah. Just so I can be like, there I am. Yes, Star yeah. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, as a movie fan, even if I'm just in some fucking alien things, like sat in the corner, and if it's something as cool as Star Wars, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Of but, course. Like, <laughs> of course. We but, just see um, you I on think... a Law and Order, man. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see that, dude. Uh, I'm always surprised when the the person comes into those shows and it's like, "Whoa, wait a minute, what? They're in this like Jim Gaffigan yeah. or whatever." Like, like what? Like this is great. Uh, damn. Uh, so the other thing that London had mentioned to me, uh, being curious about, and then I went through the IMDb. <laughs> that was what I saw the the name of the the company that that is i believe it's your agent uh oh, yeah, i saw yeah, the yeah, name yeah. and i was like oh yeah, like that's yeah, like, dude, yeah. like what oh, oh so small I productions know. i was like yeah i was I'm looking at my wife like that. how do you feel about this because this does not seem right to me but anyways not to not to bash on that but it's just like when i saw it i was like i have to talk about this because <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i anyway. mean like yeah that that name is it 
I, I don't know. I don't like it. But as an agency, you know, it's run by um, an amazing woman. Uh, she's 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 little as well. She used to be in the industry, mm-hmm. like acting and everything. And she's this lovely Welsh woman who uh, who does everything right. And uh, she really looks after everyone. She she like that works for her. Mm. So yeah, I think the name's a bit like cringy from my perspective. Yeah. But I guess yeah. I guess it kind of you know does what it says on the tin in a way. You know, people n- n- kind of get an idea of what they do through the name. I don't like it, but mm. um, as a company, I, I you know big fan of what they do. And they've got like another division of it. So they've got like little guys and extremely tall guys. <laughs> So they, so they actually have like a wing of the company called Oh So Tall as well. It's like, oh dear. But yeah. No. Like, they fucking do. Yeah, yeah. Both ways, dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. But no, like it's it's run by, um, yeah, this lady, Lisa, who's wonderful, wonderful woman. And her um, two kids who uh, both act and stuff as well, like mm-hmm. um, Ed and Joe. And, yeah, they they're just really great, and uh, they represent you know us as well as anyone out there, really. Mm-hmm. That's excellent, man. That's excellent. I, yeah. I uh, it, London was curious, and I was curious after looking at the IMDb, uh, the boss. <laughs> oh yeah, that you're working on, so, or it's in pre-production, yeah. right? Well, I was many many started filming that. I think October, November. Uh, but um, a few of the production team all came down with COVID and uh, they got pushed back. And yeah, had, I think they're, they're aiming to shoot it now uh, this spring. So I'm still waiting on dates for that, but I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Where's that being it, filmed? Uh, in Ireland. I don't oh. actually know whereabouts in Ireland yet, but yeah, we're going to have the island to film that one. So you still get to be kind of close to home. Yeah. But I've um, I've never actually been to mainland Ireland. I've been to Northern Ireland. Um, when like we filmed Game of Thrones, well, half of the stuff I did in Game of Thrones was in Northern Ireland in Belfast. But yeah, I've never actually been to Ireland. Mm-hmm. Ireland, man, it's the same. I'm sure it's the same. Yeah, it's all connected. It, I think you know. Yeah, I can't see there being much difference. But I loved it. I loved it when I went to Belfast anyway. So mm-hmm. it'd be cool to see a bit bit more of. Uh, bit more of the island i guess yeah dude have you have you written stuff yourself or or do you are you into that side of things at all or do you just stick to acting um well i don't uh so steve my Uh buddy who got who put us in touch Uh um um and like steve's uh big and big into writing um like he's he's written loads of stuff He, he now works at um pinewood studios um doing lots of writing there for um actors there's something called actors studio there in pinewood and uh actors can pay to like shoot scenes for their uh show reels so um and then it all gets filmed like at a high level in pinewood studios and uh but steve's been hired and taken on now as um their main writer so actors will come in and say i want to I want to do a scene like this to go on my show reel, and uh, Steve gets to go away and just write them a scene, and then they go they go and shoot it. That's so yeah, uh, but he's written um, like over the last couple of years when you know there wasn't much going on. Um, we've got a few projects on the go that we're 
hoping to we're sort of like banding around at the moment trying to get off the ground so there's um one scene one uh film called dirty dwarfs which is uh about a uh a dwarf race car team and uh that's really really fucking cool uh and uh yeah yeah the the other guy who would be uh so it's about like two dwarfs doing rally racing and uh the other guy that would be uh, my rally partner is a guy called Pancho Mola, mm-hmm. um, American guy. Um, he's done a few Rob Zombie movies and that, um, but he's a great dude. I met him out in LA. Um, and then, so Steve's written a great film like that one. And then he's teamed up with our buddy, Anthony Altamura from, um, do you know the band Straight From The Path? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, and he he does a lot of uh, directing, like music videos, and uh, he's directed like a lot of horror shorts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Steve and Anne got together and they've written two fucking awesome horror films. So we're at the moment like talking to a few people and uh, trying to get those two off the ground as well. Dude, that's killer. yeah. I, I just sort of like I've just been like working with them for the last couple of years, like chipping in a few ideas here or there but uh the, the all of the writing credit goes to them like, yeah you know, dude i'm thinking in my mind about this 007 movie and <laughs> how awesome so the the premise could be uh your character of james bond prefers to fight <laughs> like t- to fight for real right like face to face so yeah. he hits them in the nuts so they fall to their <laughs> knees and then beats the shit out of them with his bare hands yeah. in the face <laughs> right like you said how joaquin like, would get down like get down on his knees and give you a cuddle and a kiss yeah, yeah. this is how you get him down and then face to face combat everyone's gonna bend if you get a hit in the nuts hard enough you're gonna lean forward right and yep. then the chin your hands are over you over your dick so your chin's open for a crack <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love this i love this so much this is amazing dude uh and, and then the, the arch nemesis could cotton onto it and it could wear a, a cup and then like <laughs> i have to come up with a new technique a chastity belt just one of those metal chastity belts from what is yeah. robin hood <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay we're both gonna get rich here um this is incredible um, I, I do need to ask you, I, I believe Steve mentioned a while back that there's a good story about you and him meeting Al Pacino. Oh yeah, man. He said yeah. to bring that up to you because it's a good story. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, it was at, uh, the Irishman premiere in London. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, um, uh, the main producer of Joker, Emma Tillinger-Koskoff, like absolutely lovely lady. And, uh, I think like I sort of I think I met her on when I went in for my costume thing, right? I'm amongst meeting many other people, so um, you know I'm great with faces, uh, but terrible when it comes to remembering like everyone's names and like if you've been told loads of information on one day, like mm. it's not all going to stay in there. So um, met her I think briefly, and then would see her like regularly on set, and she'd always like stop by when we were on break so we'd like sit with me and chat and uh just so in my mind i was just like oh this lady's really nice and like really cool to chat with totally didn't really think that she was the fucking main producer of the film 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, after a certain point, it gets really, you can't just go around the films that say, what do you do? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you feel like you're accusing someone of not working. You yeah. know, like, what do you actually do? Do you just talk to me when I'm eating snacks? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so like, just became like, friends with Emma throughout filming and then realized, oh shit, she's fucking main producer in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then like caught up with her at the uh, premiere for Joker in LA, and um, then like I think a week or two after that, uh, she she just messaged me on Instagram, <coughs> just saying, "Hey, Lee, are you back in London now? Because um, uh, next week we have the London premiere for The Irishman, and I want you to come as my guest." So I was like, "Holy shit, that's yeah. so cool!" And she was like, "I want to introduce you to Marty." Just casually wants to introduce me to Scorsese. You know, I, mean, I was like, holy shit. So, uh, yeah, me and Steve went along and uh, we bumped into Emma on the red carpet, got like some awesome photos with her and that. She was like, she waited for me on the red carpet to like, she's so cool, man. Um, and then she said like, after the movie, um, there's going to be like a sort of more like private after party. So like, if you get to this address, like here's like, number if you like get lost or whatever like so she basically just told us where to go for this after party and uh me and steve arrived like i think like one of the first people there there was like me and steve and about five other people and like one of them was al pacino and then like some people looking after al like so uh ended up just sat next to al chatting with him and he was just like the most lovely like open like cool guy to talk to and um I think that, like he was talking about like the Irishman and asking us about because he hadn't actually seen the film. It was really funny. He didn't watch it. He was just like, "Oh, like was this scene still in it and stuff?" It was really like funny to hear that he hasn't actually watched it. Yeah. Um, but uh, as he was talking about like De Niro and stuff like that, and uh, and then like embarrassingly just talked, "Oh yeah, I." Like he was calling him like Rob. And I was just, oh yeah, I just did, I just did that no, Bob. Yeah, Bob. He was, I was like, oh yeah, I just did a film with Bob. And I was just like, what are you saying? <laughs> I was like, I definitely never became on like basis with like De Niro, what I was calling him Bob. But to, but to Pacino, I was just like, yeah, I just did a film with Bob too. I was just like, what a dickhead. But like, <laughs> but um, no, Al was like really cool. Like he was just really interested, was asking me lots about. Uh, Joker and he was just really great to talk to um, but then when the party started to fill out um, I felt like okay we're hogging Al Pacino now so like let's uh, let's go and mingle you know <laughs> uh, give other people some time with Al yeah. uh, but <laughs> then uh, a couple of hours into the party or whatever he, he was leaving but he came to find me on the way out and uh it was like, hey, kid. And he was like, I'm leaving, but uh, I'm going to go watch your clown movie. I was like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. And yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Steve was like, stood next to me and heard it. And I was just like, he's going to go watch my clown movie. I just fucking love the way he put it. My clown movie. Yeah. <laughs> he hadn't seen it already. That's crazy. No, yeah. I'm going to go watch your, your clown, clown movie. movie. Hey kid. <laughs> hey kid. <laughs> Dude. So fucking cool. That's awesome. Now you can say next yeah. time you're with De Niro, you can say, oh, well, Al's already, he already goes by Al. It's not even a nickname. That doesn't even work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was hanging with Al the other day and we were talking about Bob and <laughs> that's wild, dude. 
you weren't you weren't you probably didn't you probably didn't spend much time with De Niro because he was you weren't in any scenes with him. Yeah, exactly. And no, I, I briefly bumped into him once on set, and that was it. Man. What did you say? Yeah. Excuse hello. Me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> just like hello, and it was it was just literally. I think we both just said hello and smiled and nodded. I kind of like I kind of I don't know. I regret not because uh, I I I don't know whether I assumed oh we'll probably bump into each other lots over the next couple of months but never did again i was yeah. like fuck man i wish i wish i'd have said like more um but i don't know and i kind of wish i'd uh it, when i was having days off and i knew they were filming like some big scenes i probably could have asked to just go in and watch stuff being filmed you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. i would have loved to have just gone on to set and watch you know the big ending scene like the top where he shoots him and stuff like that like, yeah you know what I mean? I, I regret not thinking about it more and just saying, hey, can I come and watch? Because I'd have loved to have been on set just to watch, you know, De Niro work. Man. Yeah. yeah. Watch De Niro get shot and then uh, yeah, yeah. later at Craft Services, hand him some ibuprofen or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, for your head, bro. All right. I'm out of here. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> dude. Oh, I love it, man. This has been awesome, dude. I've, I've really... Uh, you're just such a great talent, man. What you're doing is awesome. Oh, and I'm, I was so excited to talk to you today, man. I was really like, I was watching the film last night and I was telling my wife about it like earlier in the week. And, and, uh, just, that's when we saw the, the production company. Cause I was looking through IMDB. Um, cause her and I went to Joker together and, and so she was familiar. Um, but what you're doing is, is awesome. I'm stoked for what you have coming up, man. And, uh, just, oh, thanks, a, just an awesome dude. I, I, and Steve has not let me down yet. Um, (laughs) he's a, he's a good dude. And just to get hit up randomly like that from a listener and and have so much good come from it, uh, just kind of speaks to his character, you know, and, and, uh, to yours as well, dude. And, and real quick though, before we, before we, we wrap up, what, what, what's on your playlist right now for music? Cause you're a big music guy. We didn't talk hardly about music, but like, what's really doing it for you right now, as far as like records you're listening Uh, to? On, on Thursday, actually, I went to see, uh, Turnstile. Oh, so um, good. Thought, yeah, yeah. I thought their last album was fucking great. Uh, the new comeback hit album is killer. Have you heard that? I have not yet. No. Heavy steps, man. It's so fucking good. Um, what else? Like, so I like a lot of like hardcore and stuff, mm-hmm. but I I do like a bit of pop punk as well. Like, um, recently, like someone showed me a band, Hot Mulligan. Like, I've not heard of them either. Yeah, they're pretty fucking cool. Um, okay. Only just getting in, like, only just like, I've heard one album, and yeah, digging it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I could try and, if I can look at my uh, iTunes without, hang on, Am, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. Okay, cool. <laughs> See what else am I listening to? I almost bloody forget. Oh, Loathe, Loathe. Oh God, Kadeem is yeah, a buddy yeah, of mine. Yeah. He He's over oh, there okay. by you, man. He, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. He's so, um, oh, they're so good. Yeah. Um You should yeah, check so out that episode with Kadeem. We get into some some really deep stuff. Uh he's such oh, an yeah. introspective guy. Like oh I love that band. I love that band. Yeah. Um Yeah, they're cool. So heavy, man. Dude. Um But yeah, and uh yeah, Steve's actually in a band now again. Is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, you'll have to get him to send you uh, his EP they've done. Right? Okay. That'll be coming out soon, but, like, that's fucking good, man. It's very, like, I'd say very, like, Bronx, mm. Every Time I Die, mm-hmm. it's all like that kind of vibe, like, 
Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. They, they would dig it. And you're seeing but, Keith um, tomorrow then, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Keith's doing a, a talk. Do you guys know um, each other? No. Okay. No, no. I wasn't sure if you knew each other or if you knew stocks or um, any of those guys. No, no. Cool. I think I might have, I think I might have briefly met them over the years, like, you know, go through going to shows and that, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know each other. Okay. Um, but yeah. Good people, man. Good people. Yeah, huh? yeah. Well, Lee, dude, thank you so much for the time, man. It's really nice to meet you, and and uh, hey, I'd have you back on dude. anytime, dude. Anytime you got something coming yeah, out, awesome. whatever, we'll get on and and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get on as it, as it is, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm learning, man. I'm learning. There's just so many differences. I love it. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for the time, dude. It's been a blast, and and uh, I'll hit you up when this is coming out. And uh, yeah, man, awesome. thanks for doing what you do. Hey, cheers, man. Yeah, you too, man. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be listening a lot more as well. Like, I'm, man, I'm like, I've, I, I've never really like listened to many podcasts. You know, I always sort of forget when I'm driving in my car. I always just like chuck on like the same albums over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah. I, I'm like trying to get into the habit of thinking like, no, put on some podcasts. But uh, yeah, it was cool. Like, especially after yeah what i've been listening to the last couple of days man i'm definitely going to be uh checking out the rest so awesome. like looking through the list of names that you've you've interviewed so many like legends that i've got here at all man dude i'm stoked for you to stoke for you to listen and, and enjoy man and uh i'm still i'm trying to break more <laughs> into the hollywood side of things now that i've kind of tapped music yeah. pretty hard and uh it's a whole nother ball game it's i have yeah zero like footing there where i had music i like made this way through but then I go yeah. to this side and it's like, who are you? What do you want? No, you can't talk. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, what? I'm like, well, fuck you then. What would uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah. dude, appreciate it, man. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and reach out to Al for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit up hit up Al and Bob. And, just, um, just tell me, yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> one day, we'll see. I, I doubt that yeah, will yeah. ever happen, but that would be the craziest <laughs> thing. Maybe I'll just start making episode images with them. So people think I had them on and then reach out to people. Oh yeah. yeah check yeah. out my episode with Bob De Niro. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Lee dude. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening, man. And uh, we'll you talk too, soon. Man. All right. Awesome. Take care, buddy. Cheers, mate. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Lee Gill from the Joker from game of Thrones. He's got a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, just a really prolific actor. Um, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy his work. If you have not seen it yet, if for some reason you have not seen the Joker, it's terrifying. Uh, and his character is fantastic. He plays um, the only nice guy in the movie, pretty much. And it's really uh, heartwarming to see that. But you also feel for the guy so much because there's so much evil going on around him. Uh, I remember walking out of that movie thinking, what the hell did I just watch? Like, I felt angry and uh, sad, but also like very satisfied with how it was. It was a great movie. I just didn't know. I think a lot of people are the same way. Just didn't know how they felt. But um anyways neither here nor there i thank you guys for listening every week i really appreciate it uh the numbers keep growing and and uh man i'm just really stoked with where we're at and we've got a lot more coming at you this year um ton in the can already and ton coming up on the schedule so thank you guys for sticking around i love each and every one of you guys very much uh, keep the emails coming the messages coming uh keep telling people about the show the ratings reviews spotify you can now rate the show on Uh, So if you're listening on Spotify right now, head over and do that. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the end of the episode. Uh, I mean, you guys listened all the way through, which is awesome. And uh, in podcasting, that's a big deal because some of these go two and three hours and uh, it's a big commitment of time. 
So I appreciate you guys spending the time with us like you do every week. And uh, it's awesome when you know other people are listening to what you're doing. So I really, really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to join the Facebook group. Join the premium service. Uh, check out our sponsors. Go rate and review the show. And tell a friend if you can. Tell 10 friends. Tell 20 friends. Uh, that's how this thing grows. So we'll keep putting out shows as long as you guys keep listening. And uh, as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.